0: Hello Mov. How are you? Doing really well
1: thank you. I'm very very tired so good luck to you with me this episode because I've had an entire day of teaching Pony Club.
0: Right. Yeah
1: back to back lessons. Uh, they're very very good. Uh, kids. The kids are always great. I've got two criteria for teaching. Funnily enough one of them isn't that anyone learns anything. <laughs> it's uh, no fallers, no criers and if we hit those prerequisites it's been a good day
0: that's that's that sounds that sounds pretty good I was I was actually spent uh, sometime this afternoon um talking to a young friend of mine about you wouldn't call it tutoring really but it was about uh, exams and oh, yeah. um, those sort of things and um I was conscious that uh I'd heard someone say uh recently which I think is so interesting in terms of teaching which is why I bring it up our culture is almost Uh, A mirror image of what uh, cognitive behavioral therapy would teach us to do. We're teaching children to be permanently catastrophizing, to be permanently comparing themselves to other people and all the other all the other kind of there are five don'ts of CBT. And that we've got a culture that's completely um, the mirror of CBT. Oh, my God. And that's going to have to be the next podcast because that's
1: so interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, but I was just I was just thinking about about what you set as targets. And I just love no fallers, no priors. That just seems um, I wonder how that would work in a little English class. Oh, could be good.
1: There'll be a comparison. I mean, not falling over and not crying is still good for English class, yeah. I think, but it applies yeah. more to horses. Um, one of my adult students actually said that we ought to have that on some hoodies or some T-shirts or something, so I, I might do a clothing line yeah. as well <laughs> okay. because it's just words to live by, right? No no fallers, no criers. Yeah. But today we are talking about the kingification, the coronation, yeah. which has happened recently. Long live the king. Um. So I, I've got lots of complicated thoughts around this topic and I've actually I've done some research I've got some facts right. um and I've got some sources for them so I can say where I got it from when I say research I googled it
0: right
1: that's but I've written enough. down where I found everything I googled so but it's just I, I don't want it to be me listing a, a load of facts for a couple of hours but I just thought there were some key figures and it's mostly sums of money um which I think help underpin some of these points so Mm -hmm. I I think it's important to say as well right at the start that I'm not anti-royal no I'm not I don't have a problem with it at all I I do have problems with some of the prioritization of spending Mm -hmm. and I also have some things to discuss with you about what it means for a person to be born into a life where they have no ownership over themselves particularly because we're all born without consent right we didn't ask for it it just sort of happens to you but as a common air quotes Mm. person you almost have more autonomy about what you then go on and do unless
0: unless you're a farmer in which you have none you are there
1: we have a line to draw don't we between farmers and the king of england yeah absolutely Absolutely. And well, and I just want to bring up something at the beginning, right? I don't there's been gone. some conspiracy theories going round about the coronation. I've seen all sorts of wacky things online about how it was six months, six days, and six hours since the death of the the queen and all that kind of thing and how yeah, Satanism, blah blah. And I, I don't set any stock in any of that kind of thing. But one made me laugh out loud, which is that Sir Carl Jenkins, Welsh yep. composer. Yeah. Um yeah, writer of Palladio, one of the most gorgeous pieces of music ever written. Has had to dispel rumors that he was Meghan Markle in disguise at the coronation.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> well now then. Um, a very interesting sort of Carl Jenkinsy thing. Um, yeah. he wrote a piece for the coronation, Dr. Mm. Carrick, and my friend Alice played it on part Stop. at the coronation. Yeah. Amazing. And, and um this is one of the things that, I, that I'm that i finding myself a bit conflicted about the coronation. Right. So Alice is a girl from Clangadlan. Um She's been to local school. She's done really well for herself. She's an incredibly talented harpist. And she has become the Prince of Wales harpist and is now the King's harpist. She, if anyone deserves, she has had, you know, she's had some pretty serious things to overcome in her life. Mm. And she's done them bravely. Um, and she is also incredibly talented and hardworking. And she's found herself with an almost absurdly large platform because of the coronation. Yeah, And I must say, it made, and uh, and there was a, that bit that was uh, clipped loads of times at the end of her playing Drosser and and um, Carl Jenkins doing the thumbs up to her and then the following day on her Instagram, she and Carl were hanging out at Windsor at the concert. Gorgeous. Yeah? And yeah. I almost, it almost changed my mind about how I was feeling about the coronation to see someone so worthy of attention getting yes. this unreal level of attention. It's almost as if um, somebody very good Accidentally caught a golden something falling from the sky. Yeah, that's, that's how it. That made me feel. It's your one in a million chance, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah. so that was that was quite interesting. But I love the idea that people were saying he, he,
1: he Oh, I find it hilarious. Because okay, then you see, I mean, if you haven't seen Carl Jenkins, Google him now. Yes. <laughs> it's just the most hilarious yeah. thing yeah. for anyone to have come up with. Um, no, I, I like that story a lot. So it reminds me, there's a line from a Terry Pratchett book. I can't remember which one. And it's it's a it's a one in a million chance, but we only need one. Yes. And I yeah. really like that. The fact, because yeah. there's, there is such a thing as luck, right? And, and I think success takes an element of luck. Yeah. But there's also that old thing of, you know, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yes. And I just like the fact that this lady has managed to become so good Yeah. that she's now in arguably the most exalted position for a musician in the UK, yeah. at least, right?
0: Yeah. And at 25, it's... Uh, right.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was useless at 25, <laughs> I mean, I'm not great now, but I'm definitely useless at 25.
0: I know Alice is. Alice is very impressive, and she's also very jolly mm. and very pragmatic. Um, she's an absolute little gem. We but, should get her on. Uh, yeah, we should actually. We should um, on. But anyway, you were going to give us some facts, Amy.
1: Right, I am. Yeah, I am going to give some facts. I was wondering whether to weave these in or to kind of go in with my first point because. I've got yeah reasons I like the coronation a lot which relate to ageism and equal opportunity mm. and there are reasons that I don't like it and I want to talk about how we prioritise the things that matter to us yeah and how we weigh up whether something is right or if it's yeah. not so Coronation cost, and my source yeah. for this is the independent,
0: yeah
1: is between fifty and a hundred million, yeah, and that number rankles me, yeah, because I can think of a great many things to do to mm. benefit a lot of people yeah. with a hundred million pounds, yeah, right, then I compared that, so I thought, all right, all right, so. The Prince's Trust, which I guess should be the King's Trust now. Yeah. But the Prince's Trust is, is an organisation that I didn't actually interact with myself as a young person, but I've known a lot of young people that have benefited yeah. from it a great deal. And I know that it does a lot of good. The Prince's Trust has returned upwards of 1.4 billion to help disadvantaged young people. My yeah. source for that is their website. Well, all right. So 1.4 billion is a lot more than 100 million. Mm. So then how do you weigh that up? So Prince Charles I was about to say King Charles is the patron of four hundred and twenty charities. Yeah. He has a private fortune estimated at one point eight billion. Mm-hmm. And in tax last year, paid one point three million, which is more than Starbucks or Amazon. Mm. So complicated thoughts around that. I've got a couple of other figures and stuff about the the public spending, which I might come to, but I think I think the ideas speak for themselves. So yeah. All right here's the thing does somebody who earns enough to pay 1.3 million in tax mm. with I'm sure all the help of very good accountants yeah not making any accusations there yeah does that kind of person need to leverage taxpayer money at all and should they is there any re- any area or any reason for which that would be justified
0: I suppose what we are talking about is we're talking about the man and the office to some extent yes so the man has no justification for leveraging any taxpayers money whatsoever yeah but he fulfills a role um an ornamental role i think as it was once described in the constitution um and that in itself means that things that are done around that are done in a particular way right so in a sense in a sense the questions that we probably need to ask is is what is that role this sort of this constitutional role that he has is it is it valid in is it worth the money yeah, yeah. And his private wealth, if he's paying more tax than 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 Starbucks and, and Amazon. I mean, so
1: are some students, but let's yeah, not go there.
0: Yeah. He's, you know, um he, he, he's he's possibly, you know, he's possibly perhaps better than Rishi's wife. Right. Um so I suppose what we need to do is unpack there's a kind of instinctive revulsion against the idea of an incredibly rich man being given a very. There is
1: for me. And, it. and it's the same revulsion I have about Richard Branson raising money for like water Aid and stuff. Yeah. I think you're the richest person to pay for it. Yeah. Just pay yeah. for it. Like ask people yeah. for a tenor that they don't have. That's rubbish. Yes. Yes. So, it's... yeah, I have a revulsion. I have the same revulsion. I think official expenditure for the royal family last year, um, 102.4 million. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money a lot of money and that I think is where I and you make such a good point about separating the office from the man because as a royal unless you marry in if you're born in a bit mm. like the farmer you mm. don't have a say really in what happens to you yeah if you try and have a say in what happens to you we have a Diana or a Harry situation yeah that's not going very well is it didn't no. go well for Diana. it's not going well for him no so the only way out really is through and if you are in that position where essentially you become a piece of public property yeah to be photographed and known about and to to just have to fulfill these offices and uh, and stick to these royal engagements
0: are you entitled to some sort of blood money Well, you could argue that you sacrifice your individuality for a kind of pension. Yeah. Um, And I suppose you could call the royal family, in a sense, involuntary celebrity. Yes. Um, And uh, that obviously comes at a price. I mean, I I think part of the reason why we have... We have issues with it. Lots of us have issues with it, I think, is is the fact that um, we know too much about them as people now. And also, some of them have not followed some minimum guidelines. Absolutely. And um, uh, I think if you um, look, royal families have not paved well in the past. Of course, they haven't. But we are now a a representative democracy and we have a a royal family which we accept on sufferance in a sense. And um, I just think there used to be a concept of noblesse oblige, that your status made you someone who is obliged to behave in certain ways. Yeah. I don't think it's just – I don't think it's just – the royal family. I think the whole of the British upper class has lost the concept of noblesse oblige.
1: Oh I, well, I, I'm, and management in most companies, I think, could do with a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. You no, know, the concept that if you are elevated to a certain level, you then have an obligation to do things right. Not that if you aren't, you don't have that obligation. No. But I think that if you end up in a position of power or influence in whatever sphere that is, yeah, then you do have a responsibility to uphold good over evil and and to set an example and and behave a certain way and I I think if you find yourself in the in the position where you can have a substantial private income but also draw on taxpayer money that's especially
0: true yeah absolutely yeah and, and, yeah. and, and, and I think um I think the uh there is a certain element also of discretion that yes. is required in all of this. And um, I think, in a way, we we live in a kind of... We live in a, in a culture, don't we, where the, the worst sin is said to be hypocrisy. You know, right. you can be a child murderer, but as long as you're honest about it, well, ah. he's living his best <laughs> life, yeah? He's being honest about it. Whereas, Whereas concealment and hypocrisy are always bad so we've got a bunch of involuntary celebrities who are growing up in a culture where being their real selves is said to be the most important thing so so what if they make some very dodgy friends and end up at some very dodgy american parties with some very young girls yeah mentioned yeah but where would they Why would they not if they're trying to just live their best if if their only morality is to live their best life? Yeah. And the only bad thing you can do is hide. Yeah. I mean, go to Epstein's party openly. So. So my point is, my point is actually. There's the scandal that comes from how you behave and the scandal that comes also from the fact that you haven't even bothered to conceal how you've behaved. Well, there's that. I, and I think there's something
1: about, um, yeah, the previously exalted status of the royals that I think people have in the pre-social media age yeah. considered themselves to be above reproach. Yeah, And I think that there are actually relatively few benefits to social media because it's largely toxic and unhelpful, in my Mm. opinion. Mm. But one of the real redeeming features of it is its ability to call out scumbaggery Mm. in a very public way and to spread information very, very quickly. So previously, pre-social media, The people who would have known that Randy Andy was at the Epstein party were the people at the Epstein party. Yeah. But this information gets out. Yeah. It catches fire on the internet. And now we all know. Yeah. And funnily enough, no one really likes paedophiles. No. And okay, the girls were minors. It's claimed they were over the age of consent. But for a grown-up man to want to be messing around with a 17-year-old just is questionable. Yeah. it's it's bad behavior
0: at at the very worst at the very the very nicest interpretation you say why don't you want to date women of your own generation correct yeah what is the matter with you and this i mean obviously he's not the only person that does that No, no by any means but but you know when you've got somebody who uh is is clearly behaving in um very hedonistic way you've got to ask why do the taxpayers need to fund a hedonistic
1: correct correct it's that and the fact that really nothing will happen to him
0: no um
1: I think that the way that that whole Epstein and Maxwell saga has been handled it has been done in a way also to mitigate the damage to certain other people that are on that list, yeah um of those who are engaging in that behavior and so yes, I do have a problem with taxpayer money going towards someone who, if he had been in a different bracket of life, mm. would probably have been prosecuted. Mm. And whether he is or not, it's, you know, mm. okay, it's happened. Now we all know about it. So he will be marked with that. Um, And I can only imagine the Queen going absolutely mental. But it's not good. Uh, and, and, yeah, no, I don't think that taxpayer money should go to an individual like that.
0: But partly one of the interesting things is, in our post-sexual revolution world, and it's particularly sexual revolution, but it's also a social revolution. Yeah, it is. In our post-sexual revolution world, we tell ourselves that actually everything is fine and everything is allowable until we come up with the things that we immediately know and instinctively know are wrong, creepy, yep. and weird. And so you could argue if you wanted to be, and I can't believe I'm taking the stance, but if you <laughs> wanted to, if you wanted to argue in behalf of um, an oversexed and and, and and undereducated prince, you might say, look, I was told that everything was fair. You know, it was my grandparents who had to get married and stay married. Yeah, it was my grandparents who had to, you know, conform to, you know, Victorian values. I don't have to do that anymore. I just lived my the life I wanted to live. And it's almost as if we say that there are no rules until we see someone breaking them, and we immediately at that point know that what we don't expect... There isn't a book that says princes of the realm will not be at dodgy parties with pimps. No, yeah? there isn't. There isn't. No, because, right. because we assume that the princes of the realm will have either enough common sense themselves or enough good advice to stop them doing that. Yet, um, But when you then have that sort of behavior you then immediately turn around and ask the question is of it's not the way i think i want to live my life but i'm damned if i have to pay for it and i think that is the crucial thing because absolutely and that concept of not
1: less oblige where it's a case of you just should know not to do that and you just should not do that because it's the wrong thing,
0: yes. Oh, no, and ah. that's with you know. Ah, was that was that a little outbreak of objective morality there? I thinking? think it might have been. Yeah. Oh, had a touch of the objective morality. morality yes. Yeah, it just it just <laughs> popped its head up. It just did, and you know, I think most of us think that it does exist. Yeah. So, um, but but getting back to the idea, perhaps about what the role of the king is, um, should we have a a country where we have a non-elected head of state, do you think? No, but then, no
1: I I don't actually, so I, I, on a moral level, disagree with positions of power being non-elective. Because the Windsors are in this position and the skullduggery that goes on with being a royal stretches back to the dawn of time. I mean, we don't need to really go into that. It's, you know, people have been nicking thrones and, uh, and doing shenanigans to get into positions of power for a very long time. That I don't think will change. But I think we ought to have the ability to choose our scumbags. And I think if we are going to spend millions of pounds maintaining heads of state or figures of power, I think there should be a say. So I quite like the Malaysian tradition. Right. Well, they have several royal families and they do get elected in. See, that's an interesting Every few years. So you kind of elect your royals, you sort of choose who they are. And I think that might be quite fun. So we could go back to being a little bit more of the Roses, maybe without the large scale death. Yeah. But if we could have them on a bit of a rotation, because then there would be an incentive to actually really give something back. Yeah,
0: I think because you've got I, to be appealing, haven't you? I think we also assume that hereditary monarchies are the only kind of monarchies that we can have, right. Hereditary, You know, usually patrilinear hereditary monarchies, because, um, the uh, not the, the Polish were an elective monarchy for a long time, yeah, and I believe that the Anglo Saxons were as well, and uh there were a number of families i mean it wasn't one of those things where jack the miller's son gets up one morning and says oh i have a new career plan father i shall become king yeah hey look but it if, worked for the first henry tudor all right yeah but if but if, <laughs> but if, but if, but if jack the miller's son gets a band of warriors and defeats the danes yeah then Fair 10 game. years later when they're all sitting down they're saying who shall be our next king sure and you i know. think we
1: you know we should probably keep it free of heavy artillery because i don't think we need more death but i think arm wrestling would be fair <laughs> yeah yeah you know well, a five round boxing
0: match or something
1: show me that you really want it well
0: i mean the other thing the other thing about the idea about see i one thing i don't like in myself uh when it emerges is puritanism because I'm never my best me. When... No, no one ever is their best them when they're puritanical. And, That's true. And I have to say that on the day of the coronation, I um, decided to deliberately accept an invitation to retreat into a Welsh fastness in a beautiful stone house, the house I was talking about. Yes, last time's house, I remember. Um, and not speak any English all day. Good for you. And um, just ignore the whole thing, right? Yeah. And the reason I did was because I didn't want to feel churlish, yeah? But then I came home, and when I came home, I felt like I'd lost out, so I watched lots of it on catch-up, <laughs> terrible. Because you do and, like a shiny hat. Because I do like a shiny hat. I do like the marching I, 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 and the horses. But I suppose I look back on 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 um, my slightly puritanical thing saying i don't need it i don't want anything to do with it yeah um and i don't like the me that says that and i do acknowledge that people like ceremony and they like display yeah but I'm, i'm curious so what is it about it that made you feel like that well there's a number of there's a number of things okay the first of all is that um you know, part of the ceremony is that he swears to defend Britain from Catholicism.
1: So, yeah, swivel, okay.
0: so swivel, mate. Don't invite our cardinal and then expect him to sit there being insulted. Yeah. Yeah. We could yeah. change the wording on that now, surely. They, they should date, do. I think they it? should do. Yeah. So there's that. But then getting back to similar matters, my queen was there. She's the Archduchess of Liechtenstein. She's the she's the legitimate British monarch, right? Okay. And um, if it were not for the fact, but as you you quite rightly say, it's a series of coups and counter coups. But yeah. but 1688, I think, was a particularly egregious one because the man there was no question of, an, of a of, a, of a, a differential right to the throne. They just didn't like his politics, yeah, or his religion, which they regarded as politics. So they basically said. It's almost as if tomorrow it was decided in Parliament that because, you know, King Charles eats granola, he's, he's excluded from the throne. Stop he's it. a legitimate king. Now, I don't think you can really have a monarchy if it isn't vaguely legitimate. So I did. Why, watch, that's all of them out there. So I did watch the Archduchess of Liechtenstein turning up very smartly, uh, you know, and I did wonder if she was going to shout at Justin Lawton impediment, but she didn't. You were hoping she
1: was going to heckle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's that. So there's that. Then there is the kind of slightly patronising Prince of Wales lark, which, um, you know, uh, Wales doesn't particularly necessarily, or lots of people in Wales don't particularly necessarily want to feel that they are kind of attached to the royal family in this kind of subsidiary way. I understand and, that. and I don't think those of us who have, a, I suppose, a cultural nationalism would say that they see a role for that family in where we are. And it's interesting that William, who spent more time in Wales than any of his predecessors as Prince of Wales ever, I think, has said emphatically he doesn't want uh, an investiture right I think he knows how far up people's noses it would get right so you know he's lived in Anglesey for quite a time he does quite a know. long time yeah yeah so so it's a combination of things, but then there's part of me that just loves a tassel yeah I just love a plume, I love something that goes clip pop and has got i mean I heard a story uh, about the fact that Camilla had talent spotted a drum horse when she was in Pembrokeshire, right? And I'm childishly right. excited with Glee. She'd been apparently riding past in a cart and she spotted a horse and said that would make a great drum horse. Now, this is just such bloody rubbish. And yet I'm finding myself interested enough to care yeah. and I sort of, that's uh, there's something
1: theatrical about it I suppose there is there is so one of the things that I liked about the coronation and I think we're going to have to talk about Diana a bit yeah if we're going to talk about yeah. Charles the man and also yeah. Charles the office right yeah. because it's important
0: yeah
1: one of the things that I really liked actually about the whole thing yeah is that it brought focus onto a group of people in their seventies. Now culturally, today we have this kind of view that if you're over twenty five then you might as well die. Yeah, yeah. And people that are famous and I'm talking about particularly women here because I think men are seen differently yeah, as they get yeah. older and they are sexualized for a lot longer. Yeah. Than women are. Yeah. Women over forty generally are not seen yeah as attractive and the ones that are over 40 and still are have managed to harness looking a lot younger yeah your Shakira's and your JLo's are still swanning yes. around looking 28 right which yes. isn't attainable for 98% of the population yeah. either genetically or financially yeah they're outliers okay so I I like the fact that it put a woman in her 70s in a beautiful dress and made a fuss of her yeah yeah. And actually the same for Charles to be honest. Just just people yeah. that are older still doing stuff. Yes. Yes. I and being that's... active in public life and having their moment. It's the same actually the reason I I like there's a film that everyone must watch. Um and I'll get the name of it wrong there's everything everywhere all of the time.
0: Oh yeah, everything all yeah, everywhere. Once, all at once or something all yes. at once. all yes. at once.
1: That's it. Because again you had, you know, older actors and actresses doing amazing fight scenes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And really yeah. kicking butt and I yeah, I loved it for, for that reason as well, because it's easy for people, I think, to feel invisible and invalidated as they get older. Yeah. And we have a v- a view and a vision of what a princess and what a queen should be. I mean, the queen that was was queenified. Yes. Um or coronated uh, at quite a young age and she was Elizabeth was a, a fantastically attractive woman back in her mm-hmm. youth. And I think we still had that view of her from that coronation. So I think it's good to shift the view and place value on people who are older. Um, And there's still quite a lot to give there. Do you think that Charles' image will ever recover from Diana?
0: I think it's a very interesting uh, case. I think it is um, one of those many instances where... The best antidote to the media is real life. Yeah. Because um, I know a number of people, more than a dozen, who've met Camilla. And they all become, however, whether they were on Team Camilla or Team Diana before, five minutes into her company, they all become Team Camilla. Right. And there's a wonderful story about them visiting, doing a farm visit near here, and um, the farmer's wife had not expected them to come into the farmhouse at all because that wasn't. No, of the course. Family. And then things slightly changed, and um, it was said uh, that Camilla had to sit in their sitting room for 15 minutes. They'd had the grandchildren there, and the place was covered in Lego. Yeah. So when Camilla arrived the hostess was still picking up Lego. Of course, yeah. And she immediately got onto the floor and started picking up Lego as well. Oh! And, and she said, I know if I tell you to stop, you damn well won't, yeah? But I've got grandchildren, I know what it's like, I'll just help you sort this out. And the that woman became such a fan, yeah? Yeah. So what I'm saying, I think, is there's something about Charles and Camilla which is... The story has changed, and I think one of the interesting things about the way in which the story has changed is that the pre-history, the pre-Diana history, has been resurrected. Yeah. Now, Charles was, I think, put in so many invidious romantic situations. I mean, you know that I'm going to say this because... I'm on this podcast to say the things that people were expecting to say. And one of the <laughs> things would be he really, really wanted to marry, supposedly, Princess Mary Astrid of Luxembourg. Right. Right. Now, she was a princess, and they were very fond of one another, but she was asked to give up her faith, and she wouldn't. Right. Another. There is another story told about one of the Fitzalan Howard girls. Same thing, right? Those are two simple examples. There are many other things, you know. I mean, I... I so without she, the exclusion of Catholicism from royal life, you think well, the history is different? Well, I don't think... I mean, I've just given two... Because it's me. I've given two things... Two mention of, of, of two people who I was have been told were excluded for that reason. However, right. I think there probably would have been objections raised if he said he wanted to marry Barbara Streisand. Yeah? Yes. The same. And so... Had he asked? Had he at that time told everyone he was going to marry Camilla? She almost certainly would have been ruled out. Well, it was. Yeah, exactly. So she they, they like... weren't
1: allowed to go out. She wasn't a virgin, was she? she, yeah, she um, wasn't. She'd had right boyfriends, soon. and she yeah. she sounds like she was a bit of a girl, and and had yeah. a good time, and quite right. And so there's a there's an so, element of sexism there, isn't there? But there's also
0: the fact that there's something quite appealing about people who had had a thing going on that whatever else life threw at them, they kept they that. Got... So paradoxically, the adulterous pair become in some way a paradigm of fidelity because the third party, you could argue that the third party in the relationship was, Diana. was not Camilla but was Diana. She came on the scene much later. Well... Yeah.
1: And I think it's important to say as well that Diana didn't so much come on the scene as she was put on it.
0: Absolutely. So absolutely.
1: I think there's a line kind of between an Anne Boleyn figure yeah.
0: oh, and, absolutely. And, a, and
1: Diana in terms of women who were in this sphere and were kind of told, yeah, you're going to do this. Yeah. And yeah. then
0: funnily enough, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting back to another prince... You know the, the age difference, but not just in terms of she wasn't a she wasn't a sophisticated, sharp girl of her age. No, she, she was a particularly naive, and she wasn't interested in any of the things he was interested in. Really, um, you know, why well, they
1: didn't people... know each other, did they? Because I remember no. an interview where she said something like, "This is Diana speaking." That they've met thirteen times before they were married. Yeah. Now, if you had a friend. Yeah, who said they they'd been on thirteen dates and we're going to get hitched next week? Yeah, you would say, "Oh my God, girl, no, you're not."
0: Yes, absolutely. What on earth?
1: And, and you would try and intervene there, I think.
0: But but I suppose it's interesting that the, the story that I heard was that it was two grandmothers who put them together, right? Oh, okay. And they would have grown up in a era when um this whole business about noblesse oblige would be much more important and i think i'm i'm i sort of exonerate the grandmothers here they thought we will put a young woman of decent family in this situation and she will perform the role of a princess and then a queen yes none of them neither of the grandmothers had the slightest idea that both charles and diana had some ideas about personal happiness and also the role of media yeah absolutely absolutely um and the idea that people would be just expected to accept what was given them look this is what you have to put up with whether it's infidelity on her side in terms of you know charles or whether it's uh, charles having to put up with a wife who for example didn't want to go to the country at weekends right
1: didn't want to go shooting or whatever Didn't want to
0: go shooting and and you know, another generation, he would have just gone shooting and she would have stayed, sh- you know. But but because they had, to some extent, a cultural dream of what a successful marriage was. Right. That was much less dynastic, I think, and much more personal. It crashed for that reason. And to talk then about objective morality
1: of the time. So because Camilla had her past, she was ruled out. Yeah. And I think uh, that rankles with me, actually, yeah. a bit, because it, it's almost like saying, you know, well, it is exactly saying whether this woman is somehow damaged or ruined in some way yeah. for having yeah. appetites, which we now yeah. consider completely normal yeah. and right. Um, but then I think it's also interesting how people see uh, the roles differently between men and women. So yeah. Charles had his affair with Camilla. Yeah. Diana had an affair with James Hewitt, Mm. which may or may not have resulted in a prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you
0: don't see the same judgment of her. No. For that. So why do you think that is? I think that's a very simple thing. I think it's differential physical attractiveness. I was going to mention this next. I think the idea, I think personally i think it's based on a rather fallacious view of what sexual attraction is yes but there is a cultural view that an attractive woman um has um a right to a certain level of adoration yeah and if her husband is not re- giving the tribute that is required of a, a goddess-like figure, yeah. She's so attractive, you know. He's a less attractive bloke. That th- even though he's a future king, yeah. So really, um, she should be entitled to do something that 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 allows her to almost almost live up to her sexual potential in a way. I think you're right because because Diana was beautiful. Yeah.
1: No, really really gorgeous uh, camilla isn't no and i wonder if that i think that had something to do with it as well almost this kind of disbelief that he would be in love with or want to go with someone who was less physically attractive yeah
0: and that's that, you know and that and that of course in the current climate is one of the most culturally um subversive ideas that you can have Yes, is, it is. And I mean I was I was listening to a, a podcast about hag feminism the other day. And um they were talking about um you know the whole idea that that women disappear at a certain age. Yeah. In certain in certain aspects of our culture. And funny enough, did you watch Eurovision last night? No, I didn't. I heard lots of good things about uh, it actually. Uh, right, but there was there was a a a, a reprise Sort of accidentally, on purpose, I don't know of a singer called sonia, I think who who had almost won for right Britain, and she'd come back to sing, and she must have been my age, and she was wearing a very small mini skirt, and she had okay. her face done in a way that was, and I mean makeup, I don't know if she'd had any work done, but she'd had her face done in a way that just looked uncomfortable, right? Right. And she was gyrating in these boots, and she didn't look like she was just living her best life. She looked like she was completely filleted and made into something, right? Right. And by irony, the results of the Irish jury were announced from the woman who beat her. Oh dear. Was she looked like your mum? Yeah. Um. Nice hair. Carrying a bit of timber. Looked very attractive. Yeah. Yep. Looked like a woman in her middle age. Right. Yeah? And well, which it should be fine to look like that if that it, is what you are. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. what was but what was interesting was. This maybe these are not good examples, and maybe both of them are chasing demons. I know nothing about, but just how they appeared to me as an audience member, I thought to myself: one of these women is happy in her skin, and one is not. Right. Yeah. And the appearance on the on the screen for a moment of this woman who was not in the first flush of youth, but jolly attractive and yeah. cheerful. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you there were lots of men who thought, oh, hello. And yeah, I right. bet you exactly. there'd be more thinking, oh, hello, about the Irish lady who yep. looked her age. Who was
1: happy with herself.
0: Yeah, because yep. she didn't look like, uh, well, there's an expression that men say around here sometimes, It's is terrible. I wouldn't want the keeping of it.
1: about right, a woman, okay.
0: A woman who looks as if she's too much of a production number. I
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I wouldn't want the keeping of it. Yeah, makes sense to me. The Irish woman looked like she could. She looked like you could have great fun with her. She could do anything. You could run a business with her. You could, you know, plan a plan an outing.
1: Yeah, she she'd have a laugh
0: on a Saturday night and not worry about the calories. Exactly. And this and the other one looked as if she was doing what the man. She looked like she was serving the corporate man. Right. So it says like a production, which is
1: what Diana was, wasn't it? She was essentially a production. And I think that that's what gets to people. Is that some of what's getting to Harry now, do you think?
0: I, d- I don't know, because one of the things that slightly I find irritating about Harry is that if you listen to Harry, what happened in their childhood was that his mother died and Williams lived on. Right. Because if the catastrophic loss of their mother was so catastrophic, it was catastrophic for both of them. Well, which it was. Exactly. Losing a mother is, exactly. is, is, is catastrophic. Absolutely. It is, yeah. So so don't really understand how so little slack can be cut for the also grieving brother. Yeah. And I I feel that. I feel that Harry has just – I think he's looking for an answer to a question that probably can only be discovered in himself, quietly.
1: Yes.
0: And I think he's sort of made a hole in himself into which stuff can be poured, and it's currently sort of California psychobabble. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't be surprised to find – in five years' time, he's trying for a vocation in the Greek Orthodox monastery. Wouldn't be surprised at all. He's got a big hole in the middle of him, and he wants to fill it with, with something. Yes. Know. And I wonder if
1: this is a kind of reaction to what we spoke about earlier, of being born into a situation where actually you can have individuality up to a point, but you're expected to be a certain way. Yeah. And if that, then, yeah. Um, has a certain effect. I also wonder if, you know, if he'd have noticed that he was that traumatised if someone hadn't told him he was.
0: I think one of the problems about our culture, and I'm not, not a culture warrior really at all, but one of the problems about our culture is because it's such an unforgiving culture. It is. There is a way in which anyone that makes a mistake Immediately looks for mitigation by adherence to a victim category. Yeah. So, if you're a member of the royal family and you go to a fancy dress party as a Nazi, it's probably not the best idea. Which but, was a bit dim. Yeah. But but yeah. But but the answer to that is to say I'm sorry and have a culture that forgives you, yeah. rather than say actually. The reason why I behaved in wild ways when I was younger, which, God knows, we've all behaved in wild ways when we were younger, yeah? Um, rather than saying, look, this is part of my growing up uh, process, and I've done some things when I was younger that I now regret, or that yeah. I feel that with adults' eyes were unwise, okay? so So if you... If you're not allowed to say sorry about stuff that you've done in the past because there is no forgiveness, then um, you have to find a reason why you were driven by forces larger than your own self-control to do these things. I think that's really
1: interesting. I think that's really interesting because you are correct. So, we do live in an age now where people are hunted down for tweets they made like 10 years ago. Yeah, 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 And we don't allow in the culture now, like you say, for people to have just made a mistake or said something they didn't really think about because they were 21 and pretty yeah. thick yeah. And, and to then come back to you later, you know. So, if we can, if we say that one bum move is a game ender, yeah. then we, actually remove the capacity for any kind of personal growth because the idea then is that if you've ever said something and it doesn't even have to be that it is wrong it's just that someone's perceived that it's wrong right because the power is in the hands of the offended yes so the second that you've upset somebody you might as well just lie down and die because there's no coming back you're always going to be whatever kind of ist yeah It is, that you've been branded. So I I think that's interesting what you say about a kind of protective victimhood. Yeah. Where that then becomes a mechanism of defence, but also a path to salvation, because we do have a culture in which the damaged are protected, and they should be in many ways, but also receive this kind of exalted status. Yeah. You know, where you can use a label or a difficulty to absolve yourself from personal development yes um the big one right now seems to be adhd yes which of course in genuine cases is something that's very difficult to deal with and to live with however having something like adhd doesn't absolve you from development it's no. part of your mosaic yeah And part of your experience, but it doesn't let you off the hook for anything. It means that you have to adapt. You maybe have to go about things in a different way. But it isn't a get out of self actualization free card.
0: Uh, Yes, Uh, but you've said a very interesting point when you've said mosaic. Because I think one of the problems with the lack of forgiveness and and the looking for something that's a simple solution is The idea that you might be a very simple, in a way, if you're a human being uh, and ADHD is what defines you, you're like a stick of rock. And any way you break on that human being, it says ADHD in every every section. Whereas, in fact, if we're more like mosaics, we can have parts of us. I mean, I like to think of myself as a reasonably rational person, but I've made some stupid decisions. Oh, my God. I've made some, I mean, you know, you're speaking to a woman who once took part in a tree climbing competition, Scots pine trees in an ankle length empire, uh, empire right. Line dress, right? So I ended up stuck up a pine tree, right? So, so that's just an example of the sort of thing which I would not like to think of myself as being the kind of person that just on a whim climbs a pine tree, but right. I clearly am, right? There is part right. of me that on a whim climbs a pine tree now if we can accept that there are parts of us that might have different impulses and different stresses upon us yeah then we can be more forgiving of ourselves while also trying to be better people and this was that was what the point I was going
1: to make next so you know 80 today 33 years old sitting here is yes. very interested in Morality, philosophy, empathy, understanding both sides, understanding people, trying to do the right thing. But there are there are a list of people in my past that I've done wrong to. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that will listen to my voice here and be like, oh, you hell. Yeah. Because I've got things wrong in life. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, in the process of growing up and working through my own nonsense and navigating my way in the world, I've lied. I've been unkind. Mm hmm. I've trodden on people not literally but I have and that's all part of a mosaic and part of a progression it's unfortunate when it happens to you yeah Uh, it's unfortunate for the person to live with as well because I think we most of us have had our long dark night of the soul yeah where we've had to confront things about ourselves and you know um, kind of decide to try and make amends or how to do things differently and that that process is always painful but if we do stick with that kind of no forgiveness culture? It's like, well, you've done something wrong, so you're always terrible and you should be banned from X, Y, Z. Well, then there is no incentive to be better. But also, kind of like we spoke about in in the last one, my process of forgiveness, which I went through with my ex-boss, was hugely beneficial to me. Yeah, Because in in forgiveness, you you do empathise with somebody and understand. You might never agree. You might still think they're a bit crap. Yeah, But you have found it in yourself to grow and overcome that thing that's happened. So, yeah, I, I think that if we if we exist within a, a zero forgiveness culture, obviously, it depends what it is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But um,
1: but then again, who decides? I mean, do we go back 10 commandments? I don't know. I,
0: mean, I think I think it's very interesting. Most of us instinctively know when we've done someone, some, someone wrong. We do. And i think one of the most profound and rather gloomy things i learnt in my 40s i think was that people who have harmed you will give you less than people you have harmed okay that if they if they know they treated you like an absolute dog yeah but they are not prepared to confront that they will simply continue to be horrible to you oh yes yeah the power of denial yeah the yeah. power of denial yeah
1: and yeah. um, but doesn't that come back to your first point because is it that it's easier to continue to frame someone as the bad guy yeah. than to examine our own reactions yeah. and feelings towards something
0: uh, abs- absolutely and almost all human situations are complex and people People who are 90% good in a situation are still 10% bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you you can make mistakes, for example, when you are, maybe you're anxious or frightened about something. Yeah. And you think a solution to this would be this. Whereas if you were thinking calmly and clearly, you would not think that's a solution. Correct. Um, right. And,
1: But then being frightened or anxious doesn't necessarily make someone bad.
0: I mean, I would say a a really good example and perhaps a bit more frank than I often am. But when I was left with the job of of being a single parent, having seen that my mother was left as a single parent with a large family and my father then appeared, I was consciously looking for an ideal stepfather for these children, Not, not a partner for me. But the reason for that was not so much that I wanted another partner because I certainly didn't, actually, at the time. It was the, almost the last thing that I wanted. Yeah. yeah. But I felt there was a burden that I had to carry that I couldn't carry on my own. Yeah. And so I look at that, for example, and I look at decisions that I was – well, it's just the whole way I was thinking, yeah? And my thoughts patterns were not based on the kind of rationality that I would hope to Correct. bring because I was worried at the time. Yes. And, um I think if we wanted to give ourselves some forgiveness and could also forgive other people, it really helps to try and understand how they got
1: into that muddle. And that's where extending your empathy is important because people can do, I'll use the word bad just to avoid having to talk around it too much, yeah. or so yeah. negative things from a place of trying to do right. And I think we've probably all experienced that yeah. where, where your best intentions have been misguided by a negative force on you.
0: Yeah. Stress,
1: worry, yeah um anger is it just desperation that you have to have a solution for something and if you get desperate enough then you will go for it right Yep. um and I think that's where we have to examine how we look at morality and what's right and wrong well we do and we don't because a wrong action is still a wrong action regardless of how you got there but I think it is interest it is important to contextualize yes particularly when it does come to forgiveness and I think that's uh when it comes to forgiving people when it comes to being forgiven yes because we'd want people to do that for us as well and even if you can't completely move on from something at least to understand how that person got there so that you
0: can maybe take it less personally and i'm i'm going to because we're not far off we've we've talked for quite a while but i just yeah. want to bring back just live back around quickly to the royal family yes basically. and about one of the problems with them i think is that because they have no financial problems, and for most of us, financial problems are a very large finance and health and relationships, really, those are most of our of our kind of the things that 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 we worry about. Because they have no financial problems, I think people expect of them a level of personal behaviour. There's no excuses for them to behave like this. Is there no, something? there isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, I, and I think that's true because it's a lot of privilege. Whether you, I get that it's a lot of downsides as well. Yeah, but it is on balance, when you look at how a great many people on the planet live. Yeah, a place of enormous privilege. Yes. Okay, you're in the public eye. Okay, you're photographed probably too much. Okay, the press can just be ghastly. Yeah. The UK press are horrendous, and we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. At the changing face of the press. Yeah but you are loaded yeah and you are pretty protected i mean you know prince andrew was banging underage girls and it's fine yeah. <laughs> out there yeah. right so you have a lot of resource behind you you're going to go to a good school you're going yeah. to be supported um you might have to kind of marry someone you might not chose but that, that trend is changing now anyway because mm. the latest generations are marrying as they like yeah. more or less yeah and that's quite right too um so yeah i don't think that there is any excuse that could be given to that for bad behavior no
0: and but then of course you come into the business about things like the trust and so there's a role and there's a role that you make of it Yes, make it very wise friend of mine said um i was talking to him about uh what I perceived as a strange um, sense of social class in the place where I live. And he said, yeah, um, obviously people have farms of different sizes, for example, or they, but he said, it's not the hand of cards that you get given. It's how you play those cards. Yeah. So if you're a prince or a princess and you spend an awful lot of time trying to make the lives of the most desperate and the most unreachable better, then that's gotta be a good thing. It is. But, it but is. I but I was I was asked to review, and I did review, a book about Prince Charles, um uh, which was which was about his relationship with Wales. And one of the things it was talking about was how much he he boosted certain charities and also how he promoted, for example, Sony to come to Wales. You know, that the the chairman of Sony supposedly said, Oh, you know, we're thinking of making some investment in Europe, and he said, Come to my country, right? Right and away. And although I I found myself quite admiring that, yeah, I was also saying, Yeah, but why was he, who knows nothing about electronics, yeah, why was he the person that had any influence into all this? So so there's my my Puritan, my operational side says look how many people were helped by you know the charities that these people can raise the profile for etc etc yeah one side and the other side then says they damn well shouldn't have the privilege anyway yeah that's a problem i've got with it
1: as well i think is with it being non-elective yeah But then Um, then you could still be born into wealth and that would be non-elective. So maybe that's just the way of the world. And maybe I'm just bitter that I wasn't. Um, So my dad, he wasn't a part of my childhood. I've met him only a handful of times. Had the opportunity to be one of the founding guys involved in Ticketmaster. Right. And he didn't take it. Right. And I will be salty about that until I die. (laughs) Because yeah. I could have been an heiress, I'd have been a great heiress. So I'm so good at spending money, and it, yeah, that didn't happen. So, so maybe that's just my um, my my class perspective and my slight rancor about, you know, not that I mean not have because I, I've made my way in the world quite well, but you know, it could have been easier. So, is it that we do disagree with some people having that kind of wealth, or is it that we're a bit jealous we don't have it? Would we disagree if we were millionaires? Would, would we feel the same?
0: See, that's interesting because, yeah, you you talk about what's inherited, and I mean, Chelsea Clinton has never been short of a bob or two, no. Um, and I'm not sure she's as much use as a princess, you know. Right. In terms of, I mean, maybe she is. I don't know. Um, but I suppose it. Partly, I end up with this in a world full of inequality. I'd quite like our unequal masters to have golden coaches and go clippity-clop, because there are unequal. We are we are in an unequal world where there are unequal masters, and, and always will be. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm a big admirer of the Gates Foundation. They do an awful lot of work. Yeah, yeah. um, and, as do the royal family. Um, nobody elected Bill Gates. No, they didn't. And and I suppose we, we I suppose we have this sort of um, attachment to the idea that we could have a better system. Um, partly because of I think I think partly for my case, I don't like to think of myself. I do not have a coronation biscuit tin. I do not have a mug and I don't really, if I'm honest, don't like to think of myself as part of the class of person who would like a mug and a biscuit tin. And that's me being brutally frank. I think of myself as nearer being inside that coach than in the crowd waving a flag. Oh, gosh. Okay. And And that's, so for that reason, I am really, really reluctant. Get a degree myself. of class narcissism. Yes, yes, yeah, well, we've got. <laughs> that's that's a terrible. That's
1: a terrible um, admission. Yeah, being frank is good. I, I think that there is an element of that. I it's something that I've noticed about myself in the past of um, I've been in a position of feeling quite entitled to things. Yeah. Um. So so maybe there's a bit of a Cinderella syndrome. There as well. I mean, I don't anymore, I kinda grew out of it once I realised what kind of work went into things. I think that I would be less resentful of Bill Gates who had to start a company and make some phone calls and do some things. Yeah. Than I would be of a king who just got born. Yeah. True.
0: Because okay, there's
1: luck in the Gates story, but there will have also been some savvy decisions and, and some graft.
0: So but Bill Gates had a normal childhood, as far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah, unless he's a lizard. Unless he's depends you. who you believe. Um, but um, he, so I suppose, um, I mean, sometimes you see, don't you? See a lot of them in 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 um Britain in the summer. You see the children Lizards. of, of well, no, you see the children of wealthy people from all parts of the world who are being sent to Britain for so-called summer schools, um, and Uh, They're usually snogging each other in Oxford and Cambridge. You know, they're about 14 or 15 and they always wear pastel coloured sweaters. And they're there for those summer schools because actually they're a risk of kidnapping in the country where they where they are over the long summer holidays. Right. Now, those kids and there are lots of them in the world who are so privileged that in their home country, they are a kidnap risk.
1: Uh, Do you come full circle on privilege then? Yeah, because well, I
0: consider myself to be quite
1: privileged because I'm absolutely nobody and can move through the world yeah. with anonymity.
0: Yeah. So that's so that's sort of my point. My point is moving it. Yes, the royal family obviously get massive, massive privileges. Anyone who's born to parents who are multimillionaires have got massive, massive privileges. But there comes a point where privilege itself becomes a target. Oh, there's a cost. Yeah there's whatever I think you have in life there's a price to be paid yeah
1: absolutely this idea of that pound of flesh an eye for an eye right yeah okay that's a literal thing but so if you are born into a situation where you are naturally elevated you will be looked after and deferred to but then there is this cost yeah in that you can't get a pink mohawk for example yeah. which might sound like no a no small thing there is quite a lot in terms of individuality and autonomy um but also the fact that you might get kidnapped and some people just because you were born will mm-hmm. wish ill on you, will call mm-hmm. you a satanist, yeah. will want to kidnap you, yeah. will see you beheaded, harmed in some yeah. way, which I also find abhorrent because you may disagree with the structure of monarchy. And I think there are lots of valid reasons to disagree with that structure. Yeah. But those people were also just born they're yes. just in the situation they're in yes. making the yes. best of it the way that the rest of us are well not all of them you know let, let's exclude let's just exclude prince andrew from any yes. of those statements yeah. all the right acting members are doing that yeah so uh, and, and honestly if if i could pick a life for myself princess wouldn't be it because i wouldn't cope with it no. and i think i think that's particularly true now with with the way that our modern media operates so Mm. if we take it back to even let's say the Victorian times well there was a time where if you said something bad about the king someone would just cut your head off yeah so that definitely wasn't going to happen probably hit the sweet spot around Queen Victoria where everything was still very pro-monarchy and deferential Mm. the media that we have now are predatory yeah predatory and I know that Prince Harry um Blames the media for the death of his mother, and I think he's got a point. Yes, I think all right, is. she played the media a lot. Yeah, granted, but I I don't think there is an excuse for hounding any person quite like that. And and I I'd be keen to speak to a paparazzo actually, or or, or one of these tabloid journalists, and, and understand a bit more about why they feel justified in or entitled to that kind of invasive behaviour well no i don't mean i don't mean investigative journalism no, no. So, so there's something going on and you've got to get to the bottom of it i think that's right but i'm talking about people hiding in hedges to uh, seek pictures of people having a cigarette by the back door and, and just yeah. not giving anyone someone a moment's peace just to live a life and be a human being
0: i think certainly the a couple of people that I have spoken to who have ever spent any time of their lives doing this have always used the public interest defence. And what they have said is if you are a uh, a soap actor who is earning a lot of money as a soap actor, more than you would if you were in the Royal Shakespeare Company by a long chalk. And you also have got this wholesome chipper image because of the character that you're playing, which you use for public speaking announcements, engagements and opening supermarkets. And at the same time, yeah, you have imported a pair of Thai identical twins of the age of 17. Yeah. For your romps. Um the public that should worked, be exposed.
1: That should be exposed, yes. And, I agree with that. I
0: think one of the things about the British tabloid press, uh, in terms of how they sleep at night, as I understand it, I've only had a couple of conversations in people in this sort of field, but they expand the public interest concept so widely yeah. that they would even defend the behaviour in the Paris tunnel.
1: Yeah, you can make the shoe fit, I guess. But here's the thing. So so Diana hadn't imported any Thai twins. No, uh, no. And, and aside from uh, a friendship with Mother Teresa, who it turns out was, it was
0: dodgy as all hell, um, hadn't really hurt anybody. But I suppose the I suppose the argument there would be the, about the privilege and the money. She 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 was living a life of immense right. shopability. Yeah. She could buy any dress she wanted. She could she go could. where she wanted, and I think the paradox is that celebrity culture is propped up by a tabloid press that is based on a kind of Marxist jealousy. Oh, agreed, agreed, so, and also that lack of forgiveness, and and I think.
1: A jealousy culture. I don't think it's 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 tough for men. Actually, no. I was about to say it's worse for women, but I don't think it is. So let's say if a man gets fat, well, he's yeah. got a dad bod. Yeah. If he gets all ripped, well, he's juicing. Yeah. If a woman is thin, she's anorexic. If she puts on weight, she's let herself go.
0: Yeah. What is anyone meant to do? Yeah. There's nowhere to go, is there? No. Except I think for those people who. The Kardashians would be the case in point, who oh, absolutely yeah. commodify themselves to an extent that it is almost unbelievable. Yes.
1: Um, I mean, and, the, the transformations of some of those women are quite.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, they've even got to the point now um where having gone through the, you know, uh the the baby journeys of them and and all this kind of thing they they now obviously have to now have a different type of journey so it's surrogacy because that's more interesting so right. yeah, and it, it's all that it's all this kind of stuff they they are the fruit of that culture aren't they yeah. you know that you end up with people who have no value or position or talent or anything but they are simply prepared to make themselves ultimately available for people who want to fill column inches. Yeah. I agree. So I agree. We, but,
1: but and we, I think, yeah, so here's my thing with that. the Kardashians have an elective element of that. Yes, they do. And that they can choose to do that. They can... I don't know make all those decisions I imagine there is quite a lot of marketing advice and people in the background saying you could do this yeah but if they did want to not post another selfie ever they just could they could yeah the royals
0: can't no
1: although there are some that are doing it quietly Zara Tindall don't hear about her no not really Beatrice Eugenie don't hear about them no scandals no nothing so there there is I think a way to to quietly get on with things I mean Wills and Kate they're in the public eye but you you don't get big blow-ups and whatever so there's a way to do it with style and grace but I think
0: that's quite a heavy cross to bear personally. But I also think though at that point you have to decide whether there is a continuum that starts with Queen Victoria at one end and has Kim Kardashian at the other end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And one of the problems with Harry is that his lifestyle and mindset is closer to the Kardashians than it is to his however many great-grandmothers. And so, therefore, he is asking for things to happen in the royal context which will never happen Uh you know there'll never be that kind of californian openness and let's all go into family therapy you know for a bit i i cannot imagine camilla in family therapy i would pay serious money i think in three generations time you might see something different yeah you might
1: you might yeah um if the uh, if, as a nation, our house were in better order, yeah, economically, all the rest of it, would you have more positive thoughts about the coronation? Sort
0: of the opposite. Oh, I, okay. I, I actually think we need things like this more than ever. I mean, I I've I, I probably brought you stiff about this. I've everyone stiff about this. There was a survey done about trust in public life by oh, a New Zealand academic. And she analysed what people in various countries thought of their of the people that ran them. And she included in that list some countries which had demonstrably been incredibly badly run, like Russia would be a good. Right. one yeah, yeah. yeah. And some countries where 30% of the GMP goes on corruption. Uh-huh. And people in those countries had higher faith in their government than people. Is that because of radio control? I think it is. Um, but the her idea her idea was that you need to have something like twelve percent credibility in your government, otherwise basically you're barely functioning. Yes. And, uh America was on five and we were on seven percent credibility so brilliant <laughs> so what I'm sort of wondering i'm sort of wondering is maybe th- we need a bit of constitutional theater because God only knows we're not very um full of because options. politically the
1: faith isn't that and, and I do think that, that the I do think the media freedom is a part because I doubt that in Russia anyone's allowed to publish anything bad about Putin no no. when Cameron was PM we all knew he'd had sex with a dead pig yeah absolutely Absolutely. because they're allowed to say that so we all found out Then, funnily enough uh it went a bit downhill didn't it so yeah I, I think that is I think that you've got a point so my thought when I asked you that question where I was with it was that I thought that if as a nation, our house were in better order, I would feel better about coronation. Yeah. Because I do have issues with the prioritisation of spending. Yeah. Yeah. And I got something wrong earlier, by the way. Uh, He didn't pay 1.3 million in tax. That was his housekeeping bill. He paid 5.9. All right. Sorry, Charles. So, but yeah, anyway, that 100 million cost against food shortages, 14 point something million people living in poverty. Now I do live with the concept that everyone's responsible for their own fortunes yeah yeah but as I said at the end of the last episode I also think that we can judge a civilization by how it's set up to take care of its least fortunate yes yes and right now we are failing our least fortunate yeah. in quite a lot of ways you know the homelessness amongst veterans is a serious situation actually just how we take care of our armed forces in general is pretty appalling so And not not just that, that's a bit of an aside, but I, I just feel like there are better ways to allocate funds than a big, lavish ceremony. But then you make that point. And there is something binding about it. And I think that there is benefit to rallying national pride. Yeah. Which has been pretty low. I mean, it fell off a cliff with Brexit. Yeah. And hasn't really come back up, and the pandemic hasn't helped and and lots of things that have happened politically it's been a massive time of upheaval, and I think that we will deal with the psychological impact of that as a nation for quite a while yeah so i I think there is something to what you say about just having a symbol of unity and power, however problematic. That symbol might be, and yeah. that it's it's very it's very waspy, isn't it? It's white Anglo-Saxon
0: Protestant yeah <laughs> culture. <laughs> but but, but I also think, and this is one of the problems that I you know as I say why I don't like myself as a as a Puritan, right? I think when we try to think rationally about about the life that we live as a society, um, we Forget the need for collective nonsense, and yeah, getting night, everyone it, together with an activity. Last night in Liverpool, it was decided by the people in the auditorium that the that Finland should win, and they kept shouting cha 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 cha. There's no meaning to that at all. You could argue that the meaning of the coronation is kind of paper thin. Yeah, but. Well, and, it is. It's cosplay. Yeah, exa- isn't it? <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, and, and I just had this feeling, partly because I I was at a nice Eurovision party with some friends who always have a Eurovision party, and and it just really felt like COVID was over. We were seeing loads of people screaming and shouting together in a in a big space, and I think when we when we try and be rational, we forget. That people just need to be in a great gang of people shouting something, and and God save the king is possibly not the very worst thing that they could shout. Oh, there are worse things like off with his head, yeah, or he yeah, <laughs> wouldn't enjoy you know, that. And and you talk about since Brexit, one of the things I think that did come out during Brexit, very unfortunately, was the extent to which there are people who live in such social bubbles yeah. that they don't know anyone who voted who votes, voted, or votes for any, anything different to them. Yes. And um, I was at a meeting not long ago and I was uh, um, talking to some broadcasters about some research that they'd done and they'd they done a thing where they uh, described a persona, the young person that they were aiming at. And I said, well, I said, I'm really sorry. There ain't nothing like that in my Young Farms Club. Yeah. yeah? Um, and uh, so I think that I think that one of the things that, that we have as a nation is we have lots of non-interacting bubbles. Yeah. And we, do, and we have a lot of thing. people who
1: are disenfranchised. Yes. Uh, and it's the people that are disenfranchised are the ones who are then susceptible to developing extremist views in whichever direction because I don't think that people were even asking for Brexit I think they were just asking for different yeah and that was the thing of like this is going to be new it's not going to be like what has been happening Hmm. and I think if you are a disenfranchised person and I think that people being disenfranchised is also what gives rise to conspiracy theory as well because it captures the imagination and it gives meaning in a very immediate and exciting Mm. way and I think if you are feeling excluded from parts of society or or held back in some way or or just your economic situation is is not good and not being helped by anything I I think that watching an old man have a crown put on his head to the tune of massive expense Mm. isn't going to make you feel any better no and I think that that could lead to some divide in some areas although I don't have an answer to what would fix that I don't know I don't know because there are so many huge financial holes that you could tip a hundred million pounds into and not even touch the sides
0: but but I would I would sort of deposit and i've got no information to back this up at all <laughs> good let's go off on a wild theory but i reckon if you went to a north london dinner party and you asked hands up for supporting the king you'd get houses worth 400, four hundred four five million yeah hands up for supporting the king you get very few people right mm. if you went to a Row of terraced houses in Abtoly, right, and I say Abitutolary because it's in Wales, so that's another layer of complexity sure. they had their bunting out, they yeah. had a street party so so maybe what the coronation does is maybe it says there is a there is a potential centre for this country still, yeah, and Charles with his efforts to invite you know all sorts of people there he was trying to make it feel like something that people could associate with yeah so i suppose what i'm saying is maybe the paradox is that these days the privileged position position is not my king yeah i oh my god i had to park my prius like i'm <laughs> um, an awful long way from the protest. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. 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 Not, um, my gyro's late, but luckily loads of other people brought food to the street party.
1: Sure. And that's interesting. That's an interesting different perspective because I think it would also be a slightly different situation, again, if there was any actual power, if there was some kind of head of, head of state capacity in that role, which there isn't now. no. So I think a lot of people, and I think particularly younger generations, could be left thinking, "Well, why does that? Why should I care? Yeah, what does
0: this do for me?" But the general- and aside from the symbolism, it, it's kind but of but nothing. But the generations thing is really interesting because I, because I was having my little Celtic sulk. You were. Um, I was having my Celtic sulk. Um, I sitting in the long grass about it. Right? Yeah, I was sitting in the long grass about it. Um, <laughs> I missed out on the opportunity to look at the crowds in the mall and the way I did watch quite a lot of Queen's Funeral. And those crowds were young in the mall. Right. The vast majority of the people there were 40 at the most. Okay. And I was reminded of a very bizarre occurrence. I've had some bizarre occurrences in my life, but this was probably one of the most the most counterintuitive things that I've ever seen in terms of what way is the country going, etc., etc. et cetera. So um, I was going with two of my girls down to London for a papal visit. So we had our Catholics with Attitude t-shirts on. Yeah. And, You've got quite what, a groovy Pope at the moment, haven't you? Um, yeah, he's all right. I mean, I think he's, uh, yeah, anyway, but anyway, this this wasn't this one. This was another one, right? Right. Okay. And the streets were full, right? And there were um, four um, quite nicely dressed men in advanced middle age with the Pope as a homophobe banners. Oh, for right? God's sake! Now, absolutely, I'm I, I'm a free, free free speech or a homophobe
1: speech. if we want to be. A,
0: yeah. I'm a free speech, speech activist, oh, I know, and, I I I and I am and yeah. so they have every right to be there four lads five lads hey take those fucking banners down the Holy Father's coming by they were in their late teens early twenties yeah Europe. We take their fucking banner down the Pope hasn't come all the way to see you take those bloody banners down and then the other one goes leave him Damien he's not worth it and so basically it's not worth it. So basic but basically the But they so yeah. the teenagers were saying, Don't you dare insult the Holy Father, you right? And the people in the advanced middle age were protesting the Pope. Yeah. And I suppose I think with a lot of these things, sometimes we think young people believe some things because some noisy ones do. And I think that's
1: true across the board. I think that's true about social media, because yeah. it's the extreme voices that come through, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, well, that's what everyone says. You know, where politicians are making uh, their mistakes these days is when they think that Twitter is um, uh, Twitter is, is the country.
1: Yeah. Agreed. That is interesting. So, Mubh, we've been talking for nearly an hour and a half. And I am no further forward. I'm going to make you come down on it, because we... Okay, said um, we wouldn't just talk round in circles. Kingification,
0: yay or nay? I'm going to have to go yay, I think. I'm surprising okay. myself, but I am. You're
1: surprising yourself. I'm going to go nay on the whole. Uh, I think it would have been more tasteful to do a registry office version, although I do like that they put Camilla in a prosh fock and a big hat and made yeah. a big deal of her. I did enjoy that. I think that... Um, we're onto something with the elective nature, but I yeah. think it shouldn't be ballot elections. I think we should have four potential kings and queens, Yeah. and it should be total wipeout style knockout rounds over an assault course.
0: Well, of course, unfortunately, Prince Edward did try and do an It's a Royal Knockout, which wasn't terribly good, so perhaps we want to stay... I quite like Prince
1: Edward. I like um, the attitude. I, I,
0: I, yeah, I think I think it is interesting to look at what monarchy is and does it have to be hereditary? Um, you know, could we just even take a ballot? I think most people would have Princess Anne, actually. I think Princess Anne would be a very, very popular... She's quite groovy. I, do, I quite like her. Again, understated personality,
1: gets on yeah. with it, horsewoman. Um, has the ability to set her facial expression like concrete which is a quality in a woman that i really admire yes can you curdle milk from 500 yards that's what i want in a queen
0: yeah and and you know you know we talk we talk about the whole idea about um we talk about about privilege and unearned privilege and so on um controversial i think i'd rather have the royal family than gary Lineker. And uh, you know, what's done to you? Well, no, no, it's just—it's just—he's a good example of someone whose income is way not not when he was a professional footballer, but as a correspondent, sure. His, his income is way out of line, even with the market, because if he left the BBC, he wouldn't be paid more than a third of what he's getting. I agree
1: with that about a lot of people paid by the BBC.
0: So, I yeah, suppose what I'm saying is. We could start a, a wages commission, you and I, and we okay. could try and say roughly what we think people should have. um, But it wouldn't only encompass the royal family. No, it would have neither, to be everybody. Neither. I mean, there's this um, this whole business that's coming up a lot now about Nipo babies. And, you yeah. know, uh, I mean, the royal family, I suppose, are the ultimate nepo babies. But in a way, it's so stark. It's so stark that they are princes because their dad was a prince. Um, You know. I guess that's, because that's, is that about conditioning though?
1: Because we're used to that. Yeah. So, daddy's a prince, so son and daughters of princes and princesses but then if that happens outside of royal life we're like oh well they just gave their kid that job because as if we wouldn't all do that for our children we're in a
0: position to i absolutely would but but i suppose i'm saying also the other side of that is since we all would and since everyone does maybe the royal family Are just you know the king and queen of nepo babies. They are just at the top of at the top of a of a system, and so it's
1: difficult to say one's fine and not say the other is. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: That's a hard argument to make because at some point, at some point, the original whoever wasn't the nepo baby, the first one, yeah, right, had to do something. I mean, that might have been stabbing someone in the back. It might have been fighting a war. Yeah, they had to do it to to hand that down. Uh, but i i can't sit here and say that if i was in a position to give my stepkids a cushy job that i wouldn't do it because i would
0: yeah and but also you know we're talking about hypocrisy being the only vice that is that is a real vice these days how many of the cor- of the, the correspondents in particular parts of the media themselves come from uh, dynasties right you know? dynasties of of um, correspondents and they are then saying how shocking is that we've got an elective monarchy as I was saying to my father the editor of the right. only over lunch yesterday yeah? Uh, and yeah, yeah so I suppose we're talking about succession and succession in a way it is it is all about
1: that, isn't it? And I, I think is that why we uh, admire this sort of allowed in story of the diamond in the rough, someone who pulls themselves up by their bootstraps.
0: Yes, absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. But we also oh, we also like the story, the archetype. I mean, if 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 we did, if we got Carl Jung here, sock puppet of Carl Jung, enter a sock puppet of Carl Jung, he would probably say that the value of the royal family were archetypes. And um, I don't know if he was a royalist, uh, but you know, we often talk about 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 paradigms and stories that we, as a culture, we tell ourselves. And yeah. one of the cultures that we, one of the stories that we tell ourselves, is about uh, a family that live in a palace and have a golden yeah, coach. And so, in a way, in a way, what we've done with the because I think with- we'd all quite like that. Yeah, with the with the coronation, we've just got our paradigms, our our our, our archetypes. Yeah, out, okay. And we've okay. blown the dust off them. And yeah, give them a good shake up. All right. And 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 then then we can look at Kate Middleton, and we can say, look, she's a middle class girl who went to university and married a prince.
1: Middle class, my pocket ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have a word. Well, I think my mother would certainly say that she was up, she was middle class. I don't. Well, I'm sure you know. your
1: mother would. That your mother shared a House of Wittgenstein and had different views on these things. But um, well, she she was moving in, in circles pretty well for a middle class girl. Let's say yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I like, what it's like in, Actually,
0: that's what it's like in those sort of universities, though, isn't it? That's, that's Yes, you know. it is.
1: It is. And, and she what they call a weighty Katie? She played a patient game there. I yes. think I think some of it. For me, is change management as well. Yeah. So here's the thing, and you know, I don't think I can even I can say why. I've got a few reasons why. I just really like the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's a part of me that's just a bit salty mm. about about the fact that I and I think in look, obviously I didn't know Queen Elizabeth or me. She certainly didn't worry about me very much. And I, I can't even really say what it was because I don't know. She just had an elegance, I suppose. I like the fact that she was a horse person. I really yeah. enjoyed the fact that she was enthusiastic about cows
0: because that's something we have had in common. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I think I think PhDs will be written on this subject. But one of my my major things is that. She was queen through a period of enormous change. And for a long time. I mean, that was a shift. And she appeared to change comparatively little. And talk about change management and what we can cope with. Um, One of the problems with the mainstreaming of radicalism, I think, is that we are being expected to psychologically change more and more and more. And you know you know, I, I'm obsessed with with the Reformation. I can't imagine what it would have been like to live all your life until like your 24th birthday, thinking a whole set of things, and then somebody come in and say those things you thought are now illegal. Right? It's illegal. To I wouldn't react well life. to that. No, and and, and 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 so what I think is is that about the Queen is I think that in a time where Change was very, very rapid. We've lived through a period, and I would say I think 98% of the change has been to the good socially. Yeah, Um, completely.
1: Because we did need to come, you know, I know you hear a lot about this. Oh, you can't make a joke anymore. No, those poor tasteful, those. Jokes are in bad taste, were always in bad taste. It's just that people couldn't feel, didn't feel they yeah. could speak up. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's really important not to go through the world being a twat.
0: Yeah. And I think that people who make the jokes about, oh, you can't say anything, um, are actually forgetting that if you look at, say, for example, television humour of the 1970s, that was within a very narrow window of what yes. was acceptable. Yes. You could have gone to a working man's club and heard a completely different thing or a musical 50 years earlier yes but those would have not been broadcast by middle class organisations so no. yeah but but so i'm not so i'm 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 stating my case that i'm not a, a cultural warrior but what i'm saying no. is I think lots of people have had to change i mean if you think for example that now the majority of people in britain live in suburbs yeah right which wasn't the case even 40 years ago 30 no. years ago um so people have got different ways of living their lives. Their working lives have changed beyond measure. And the food they eat, the places that they travel, what their expectations are, all of these have changed beyond all measure. But in the middle was a lady in a blue coat. Yeah. yeah. A, or often where She was a national constant. Shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know that we'll ever get to feel like that about... Charles I don't think we will
1: and I think it's because he's a man Mm. because he doesn't have that
0: ability to kind of be everyone's mum yeah true true. I mean I don't know whether we might not get to feel like that a bit Um, I mean I'm not any um, ill wishing the king and I know that that's still treason but it um, is actually yeah. yeah should we take uh, you down to tyburn now but if yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but i think that um it's highly likely that the that william and kate could become an iconic family yes. in that way yeah. um and then yeah, yeah. we can have all the business about following their children through their stages of life yeah, and this yeah. kind of thing um But I I, I think Charles has spent too much time being half one thing and half another, really. That's interesting.
1: And that comes back to media image. Talking of media image, what do you think about the relatively high coverage and commentary on the princes going to a party dressed as Nazis, which was stupid, Yeah, and the relative low
0: coverage of Prince Philip actually being one? Well, well, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little um, forgiving and you, of, my favourite uncle was uh, a Dutchman. Hitler? No, my fa- no, 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 no. Joking. My favorite, My favourite favorite uncle was a Dutchman and he, in a very heroic way, escaped, um, you know, escaped and came to fight in Britain and turned hey. up... Turned up at the age of 15, right, having persuaded them that he was a flight lieutenant in the Dutch Air Force, which he... Hilarious. Wasn't. Bless him. He just must have been taller than everybody else. He was. Cautious. He was taller than everybody yes. else. Oh, yeah. my anyway, like Christ, he's big. We'd better believe him. So one of the things that he said, which I thought was really interesting, mm. about the war, after the war, he said, do be careful, all of you British people, because you weren't invaded. Who okay. never lived under that regime. Okay. And um I think that's a that's a, so I'm sort of sympathetic of of people who made mid century mistakes, let's put it like that. Alright. However, however that's
1: quite a clanger though, isn't it?
0: Yeah. However, I think there were a few people around. I mean Andrew Roberts' book about Churchill's enemies. Um Puts a very firm finger finger of of blame at a group of people who wanted to continue with appeasement, and yeah. uh, they included members of the royal family. Yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, tricky thing. It is a tricky thing. The queen mother was supposedly desperate to avoid another war at all costs, but she'd lost two brothers in the first world war. Yeah, and that's that's. But, but uh, and avoiding war is more of Female territory, but but I don't. When you're talking about what people were like in Britain before the war, my father could smell evil, and he was just a schoolmaster in Ilford, yeah. And he could smell ill, he could smell evil, and he signed up ready to fight evil because he could. So, how and it was evil, yeah. So, how these people in their positions of privilege, yeah.
1: Did not... To ignore the destruction of an entire race of people,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly, and how it...
1: several actually because we, Holocaust, we think about the Jews, but of course who were the greatest section of victims, but there were many others, yeah,
0: yeah, you know, and I think there are some particularly idiotic people on the Celtic fringe who thought that oh, it might be great if we get rid of the British imperialist government. Um uh, Not realizing that the Celts were like Slavs, uh, um, described uh, you know uh, uh, likely to be undermentioned minority like, group. Yeah, it's uh, done. See you. Um, but so so I, so as I say, having said that, I start from a, a position where you know I, I I do think Robbie was right about you. Know, you should be careful about about being smug about people who've lived under uh, the heel of of people. I do think that not being able to not being able to spot the biggest evil in the world when it was there right there yeah 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 Yeah. and and there's there's a lot of discussion about when people knew about the holocaust
1: there is there is a lot
0: sooner than anyone would like to admit would be my guess well i suppose it depends on if you were living in a bucket at the bottom of a well at the time yeah yeah but what were those people doing who'd come into the town who were refugees? And right. why was it that all the people who were fleeing who were arriving wherever it was, you know, in nineteen thirty eight, they all had one thing in common? No, they were not all left handed. No, they <laughs> were not all Scorpios. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah. You yeah. Think, oh, I yeah. what's going on here? Hang on. Yeah, this is an awful coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All these people who've just turned up What have they got in common? Yeah. People knew. People knew. People knew. People knew. People knew.
1: But I think it's that removal. And I think that as humans, we have an ability to ignore that which doesn't impact us immediately. Yeah. So we have that kind of selective tune out of that's jolly awful, but it's not happening here, is it? So out of sight, out of mind, I think is a particularly human trait.
0: Also, I think there is something that um, is too big to grasp about something as awful as that.
1: Oh, a d- absolute denial, because it's one thing now, because we know it happened, and the evidence yeah. is there, and the accounts are there, and, and you can read Miklos Knisley's book, and if you really um, want to destroy your mental health, it's, it's brilliant, but harrowing. But I think if someone told me, that they're rounding up and killing all the chavs in Gravesend. Mm. I tell them to have a day off, of course they're not. Mm. Stop it. Mm. I was doing that. But mm. like, really, they were, obviously, juice the weren't chavs, a bit different. But well, it's not different, chavs are still people, don't kill them. Um, I can understand a degree of disbelief. What I don't understand is that pervading sense of disbelief and that there are still Holocaust deniers. Oh. A conspiracy which benefits nobody.
0: Mm. And is... Really disprovable, yeah. Because you can go there. I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that we don't. Um, that though we do talk about it, in a sense, we still can't get our heads around it. I don't think. I, think. I tried.
1: I, I went down a real Holocaust rabbit hole for quite a bit. I was fascinated. I read every book I could get my hands on, trying to get to the bottom of how and why that happened but there is still something that for me was unreachable because i can't even though i went to the depths of my psyche about it i just can't imagine it I, and i can't i can't even even looking at every possible angle there is no justification
0: okay two thoughts two thoughts about this neither of which I hasten to add is a justification of the Holocaust I was about to say are you going to come in and try two things things. first of all very wise words as often from C.S. Lewis where he says one in screw tape letters um, you will never get a man to sell his soul to Satan for the past you will be very unlikely to get him to sell his soul to Satan for the present because he says the present says says the devil the present is full of the works of god and those make him happy and they make him less likely to do evil things yeah you will get your man completely serving the causes of evil if he lives for the future right so nobody will put a child in a gas chamber for today because it's a terrible thing to do But if you say your child will have no future unless you kill this child, you are, you, so it's over obsession with the future, I think is a really, really important point. It is. And and I think there's, so there's, I mean,
1: we've got from the coronation to the Holocaust, which is an achievement even for us. But I I think there is something about that out of sight, out of my nature. Yeah. Because they had to come up with the gas chambers because actually the SS officers couldn't bear to keep shooting people in the face Mm -hmm. and they were killing themselves and absolutely blitz so they needed drugs to do it so they needed meth Mm. um to pump these people up so it it had to be a mind-altering situation I think that the nature of fear will make make people do very very extreme things yeah um and I hope I'm never in a position to understand that
0: but but the other thing about how you get there is you need to make people live in the future, and the other thing you need to do is make them feel that some other human beings are less than them.
1: Yeah, and which was you know, which was done very artfully, and that that propaganda propaganda campaign. I think there's also something about the history there, and and like so the, the imminent threat and the threat of starvation, which had come along because Hitler, as a person, initially didn't gain any traction. No, Mein Kampf came out, and everyone sort of went. Go home, Adolf, you're drunk. Yeah. I think it sold very few copies initially. Then the Wall Street crash happened. And of course, because of the First World War, Germany's finances were massively tied to America's. Yeah. And then what happens is you have 16 million people on the brink of starvation, mm. at which point a very definite madman starts yeah. to look appealing. He was nuts, but he was sure. Yeah. And yes. there's something about certainty absolutely this is gonna fix it yeah but i think can make desperate people go i will ignore all manner of things if you just don't let us starve to death
0: yes i think i think that's a very that's a very interesting um interesting point of view and i think what is also i found this totally fascinating did you know that after the war there was an upswing in accusations of witchcraft in Germany. No, I didn't. I, 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 I mean, I don't know what I can do with this. I, I mean, people I, really will revert to type, won't they? Well, yeah, but but <laughs> but, but but the idea, Part of the idea was there was so much unprocessed stuff. People were coming home. People had done unspeakable things, terrible things. things, and so you weren't able to say actually. I think that Ludwig over there was a was a camp guard and has done such terrible things that we as a village need to watch him. Yeah, do you
1: passing. all just start whistling and just look at your shoes when you
0: pass each other? Yeah. Or, or what,
1: what do you do? Yeah. How
0: do you? And so yeah. partly people were trying to deal with undig undigested gobbets of evil. And the resentment. something. Because they were all into the lineage,
1: weren't they? So it's all about proving how far back your ancestry went and how German you were. Yeah. And all this, I mean, it was high nerd culture, really, when you yeah. think about it. It's a bit Game of Thronesy, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, not in a groovy way. Not that most of Game of Thrones is groovy, but I'm off point now. But um, so you can imagine now that war's over, everyone's come back, and you've got Ludwig over there, who two years ago was trying to get your wife in prison because she's half French. Yeah. Yeah. Can't prove her yeah. lineage all the way back. Yeah. Well, yeah you're not going to feel good are you you're not oh bygones be bygones so i'd probably want to beat him to death in the street yeah so there must have been so much rancor and then just that collective nature of trauma yes because for say let's say say you're an ordinary german person just trucking around yeah not shooting anyone on the daily trying to live a life and you're having the nuts bombed out of you by the allies Mm. that's still because we see ourselves as the goodies right Yeah. yeah. we're the jedis they're the empire but if you're actively getting bombed, that tra- that trauma is that trauma. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You're just on the
1: receiving end of death falling from the sky. Yeah. For reasons that you've had nothing to do, that you probably have, like, never hated a Jew in your life. Yeah. And you just were trying to be a baker or something. Yeah, And you're just surrounded by flame and death and these mm. awful stories. And then, of course, you come back and you learn what's really been happening. So you've got trauma and you've also got collective social guilt. mm and that, I think that's yeah,
0: that's a heavy I th- thing. I think one of the things that I find particularly chilling about it, I mean, it's all unbelievably ghastly, but but is the bureaucracy of it that you were expected uh-huh. to have all the details about who your ancestors were and, and all they, this kind of thing, right? And they, and, I,
1: I think that's the horror is is the organisation. Yes. So yes. and that takes a great number of exactly the right kind of monster. Yeah. To be like this is what we're going to do, but bye. God, it's going to be documented. Yeah, yes, and efficient, and on time, and and I find that more chilling than any psychotic mass murderer who's off their head. Because that is sane. It's rational. It's planned. Mm. And that is such a terrifying concept that I I can understand in a way why people went. That didn't happen.
0: Yeah, because it's you've got to think about. I mean, you thinking of the bureaucracy of it, you probably know our great uh, hero uh, tolkien was approached in 1938 or 37 by a german publisher do you know this story i don't right so he was approached and they said your name is a german name we want to publish the hobbit in german and um, we want you to say if you have any jewish blood and he wrote a fantastic letter about it he said it is a matter of enduring regret I have yet been unable to succeed in my attempts to prove that I have Jewish blood. Um, oh, I love him even more. Nothing would give me greater pleasure than to find that I have some trace of these extraordinarily capable uh, people of genius in my blood.
1: I love but alas, him even
0: more. however, he said, I regard your inquiry as one of the utmost impertinence and i refuse to allow you to publish my books in germany good boy if you do i will sue you yeah i just love it the fact he said I he love wanted it. to be he wanted to be jewish but couldn't you've got and to, it's good, you've got really, it. that
1: they didn't do that because they could have sued him for nicking it off wagner but that's a different episode <laughs> isn't it? Listen, listen, We've we stop. Not, we're not far off two hours. Gotta stop. Um, we went from the coronation
0: to the holocaust and that's to, enough
1: excitement for one day. All right.
0: Right. Good to talk to you, my dear, and we shall speak you again too. very soon much love take care oh do you want to remind people what the email address is if they oh my
1: goodness I do uh milling the air at gmail.com I promise I'll check it probably um please do email with your thoughts and of course suggestions because if you've got a topic that you would like milled um we will consider it and possibly mill it so yeah please do email in we've had 57 listens and I'm grateful to each and every one of you
0: Do we have to finish by saying God save the king or can we get away with not doing that? Oh, we cannot. Good luck, Chazza.